Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. The scripture reading today is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negeb. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment for silent reflection. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this moment that you've given us here right now. Even in this moment of silence and reflection, our hearts continue to race, our minds continue to frantically search and think and plan and strategize. We're a fast-moving people. We're an anxious people. We come to this moment from a variety of perspectives, different places in our faith journey, believing and unbelieving, most of us somewhere in between. We come to this moment enthusiastic, optimistic, hopeful, joyful, connected. And we approach this moment fearful, confused, afraid, angry, holding a grudge against others that is eating us from within. However, we come to this very moment, help us to see that we have far more in common than we realize. On one hand, each of us is a beautiful mess. Beautiful, created in your image and likeness, and also fractured, full of complexity and contradictions. And at the same time, you see us and you know us in all our beauty, in all our brokenness, and your response is to move toward us, to give yourself to us in sacrificial, self-giving love, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So we pray now that you would teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit in a way that our lives would be transformed, that you would convince us of your great love for us and send us out to love others in the same way. We pray all these things for our good and for your glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I was reading the other day about one of my mentors from afar, you know, someone I had never met in person, but 
their writing, their thinking has greatly influenced me. And they talked about a trip that they had taken at the invitation of a wealthy friend, a trip to this mansion on a tropical island. And they said in the midst of the private plane and the helicopter, the yachts, the cars, the mansions, at one evening around the bonfire, this wealthy, influential, connected friend confided, I have more money than anybody else on this island. I have more wealth than anybody I know. And yet here I am, miserable. Later in the trip, this author went into town and met a man on the street, part of the working class peasantry. He was actually a Baptist minister in town. And in the conversation, this poor man on the street said to him, I don't have two coins to rub together, and yet I'm the most joyful person I know. I feel like the world is such a treasure, and I'm so grateful for my life. These men lived on the same island, but they lived in separate cities. They lived in different worlds. And so this asks you and me the question, which city do you live in? We're going through the book of Genesis, which the root of the word is seedling or the beginnings, the, the start of something. This is the book of beginnings. And we, we come here to the tale of two cities. We just studied last week the Tower of Babel, the city of Babel, which we might call the city of man. A, man, a, a city where the goal is to make our name great, to satisfy our pride and our ego and our grasping through our own personal achievement. And here in Genesis 12, we begin to see this character, Abram, who later will be Abraham. And God is building a new city, a city that is not built on ego and pride and self-sufficiency, but built on the grace of God who could do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so you see the irony. In Babel, they say, we're going to build a tower to make our name great, and it leads to scattered ruin. And here at the call of Abram, God says, trust me, I will make your name great, and it will never be erased. It's interesting. Today, you will drive by a church, a synagogue, and a mosque at some point, and all three of those faith communities point to Abram as the father of faith. He lived a big calling because he responded to the gracious, challenging invitation of God. Go. Here, his name is Abram. Later, it will be changed to Abraham as he goes on his journey. So these are, you know, this is the Genesis, the beginning of the story of the family of faith. Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers of the faith. Abram means father. Abraham means father of many. So maybe Abram means daddy, and Abraham means big daddy. As he goes on to live a big life, a person of vision. But what made him great? the calling of God. What makes life distinctive and special? The calling of God. And so I ask you, what calling defines your life? Where do you get direction? Where do you get inspiration and energy to move forward? And where do you go when life seems to come off course? This passage, the call of Abram, the foundation of faith, what later on the Apostle Paul will call the gospel in advance, is the key to a thriving life with impact and growth. 
and it comes down to one word, go. So let's look at that gracious invitation to go. And let's see that the call of God is necessary. It's critical. Secondly, the call of God is costly. It's scary. Third, the call of God is missional. It's outward facing. And finally, the call of God is impossible without God's grace. First, the call of God is necessary. It's critical. Abram cannot call himself. Abram comes from this elite family with an incredible lineage. He can come from the best family on earth, but still needs to be called. And notice, Abram does not call out for God. God calls him. Abram's not looking for God. God is looking for him. Friends, do you realize that the primary beginning of the spiritual journey is not your ability to find God, but God's ability to find you, and he moves toward you even now. The primary driver of the ener- the creative force in your life is not your ability to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, but the reality that the creator of the world is at work in your life, in your community, and in this world. There's a beautiful prayer said among our Jewish friends upon waking. And part of it is, God, as I wake this morning, I'm mindful that you have been at work even when I was asleep. We can add to that. God, you have been thinking about me long before I was even thinking about you. Some of you right now, you're asking questions, you're sharing your doubts, and you know that you're most welcome at Renew Church. We want questions and doubts because the reality is we all have them. Welcome to the human experience. What if it's true that in the midst of all your questioning and doubting, that God's moving toward you right now, calling you? Furthermore, Abram is not qualified for the calling of God. God does not come to Abram and say, you know what? You have this elite education and these supernatural skills and gifts and abilities and so much to offer. And that's why I want you to be part of my family. There's nothing to indicate that Abram is qualified for this calling to go and be a blessing to the nations. God simply loves him and then qualifies him as he goes. That's one of the things I love about being a part of Renew Church. As you and I embrace this call to go and be a blessing to others, and then we discover gifts in ourselves that God has given us, and we develop those gifts to offer to the world. And as they develop, we actually become a different version of ourselves, a more complete, more full, and more fulfilled version of ourselves. The call of God is needed no matter how good you think you are. And the call of God is effective to transform you no matter how rotten you think you are. There's a story of St. Augustine who lived in North Africa in the 4th century And in his early years, he was quite the party boy. He was an educated, wealthy, connected member of the intelligentsia and had big parties. And I'm sure that he had a lot of fun at the same time he caused much ruin in his own life and the lives of others. And he had this transforming experience with the call of God that changed everything for him. He went on to become one of the greatest influencers in the family of faith. 
And there's a story of years later, this woman who he used to party with and get into all sorts of trouble with, sees him on the street and says, Augustine, it's me. And he keeps walking. She repeats, Augustine, it's me, even more loudly. Finally, she catches up with him, tugs on his robe. Augustine, look, it's me. And he said, I know, but it is not me. He had been transformed into a different person. Now, I'd love to hear that that story went on and he completely welcomed her and they had a great time together catching up. I don't know how the story ended, but what we do know is God's calling transformed him from seeking a life of mere pleasure. There's nothing wrong with pleasure, but a life of mere pleasure, self-focused, to a life of radically pouring himself out on behalf of others. The call of God makes us new. No matter how good you are, you need it. No matter how bad you think you are, it'll change you. The call of God is necessary. It's critical. The call of God is also costly. It's scary. Did you catch that? Verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Go to the land I will show you. A land that is unknown. A land that is out of your comfort zone. Now, you and I could miss because we're so culturally far away from Abram's moment. But in Abram's moment, you did not amass wealth or security, significance or identity through your 401k or through cryptocurrency investments. You amassed wealth, security and identity from your country, your kindred, your father's house and your land. And these are the things God says, leave those behind and go. Go where? I'll show you on the way. Gracious, scary invitation to trust God. What does it mean for you to go? To be a Christian is to be transformed so now you don't make decisions based merely on what is most comfortable or convenient for you. Comfort and convenience are not bad things in themselves. I like plenty of it myself, but they're no longer the primary driver of your decision-making process. So you think about your career, and you don't merely climb the ladder saying, what job gives me the most security and status? The calling of God reshapes that equation, and now you're asking, where can I be the biggest blessing? What might God be calling you to go into? What might God be calling you to leave behind? How are you hearing that call, that urge to go? It could be in your career, in your vocation, to start a new job or to leave a dysfunctional one. Or to to transform the way that you currently go about the work you do. It could be in a relationship, in your family, the way you parent the kids around you could be getting involved in the public school system. Or maybe your first step to go is to get the help that you know you need for an addiction that you've been keeping hidden, but it's eroding you from within. It might be joining a recovery program or seeking counseling for trauma that has been affecting you and is driving you. 
And the first step for you, as they say on the airplane, is to put your own oxygen mask on so that you can come from a place of health, stability, and resilience to go and bless others. At the same time, I recognize I'm saying this, friends, as we are starting a church, Renew Church, right in the center of San Diego. So on one hand, just by virtue of being a part of Renew, you are already going. <laughs> there are plenty of established mega churches in San Diego that have plenty of programs for you where you could just show up and sit down and be anonymous and do nothing and be entertained. And maybe that's good for some people. But the very essence of Renew Church is to follow Christ to renew our neighborhood, our city, and our world. The very essence of Renew is to go. And so by simply joining in the mission of this church, you are already on the way. And if you're listening to this and thinking, you know, I'm a part of Renew, or you've been on the outside of it and you want to move more toward the center of the community and get involved and get engaged, as a pastor, I want to help you find your place in God's mission in this church because there's plenty of need, plenty of room, and all the opportunity in the world. One of the old English translations of this passage, instead of go, it's God saying to Abram, get thee out, <laughs> get thee out, get thee out of your father's household, go to the land I will show you. He doesn't give him an address, a pin on a Google map, a photo of the destination, get thee out. And I'm not telling you any more specifics. That's scary. I talk with plenty of people who say, you know, I'm interested in becoming a Christian, but before I cross the line of faith and say that I'm a Christian and follow Jesus, I need to know, what will it mean for my relationship with my boyfriend or my girlfriend? Will it affect the way that I spend my money? Will I have to stop this or will I have to start doing this? Will I have to forgive other people that I have contempt toward? And friends, when you say, Show me exactly where you are taking me. And if I like it, I will go. And if not, I won't. You're not answering the call of God. You're staying in control of your own life. And in that way, you're on the throne. You're in control. You're actually taking the place of God. Friends, I need to say that as much as I need to hear it. Because it's the temptation, the default drive of all of our hearts is to be in control. This is scary stuff. So how do you get the courage to go? Friends, you will never follow that gracious, scary calling of God until you see that you can trust the goodness of God. In verse 7 and 8, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I'll give this land. And Abram built there an altar to the Lord. Later in verse 8, when he moves on, he builds an altar to the Lord. Abram is moving through the land, trusting in the calling of God, and he keeps building these altars. And most theologians and scholars believe part of the reason for that, the main reason for that, was that so when the people would return to that place with a new set of scary circumstances, a new environment of confusion or enemies who are threatening them, and they say, is God going to come through for us? Is God going to provide for us? Is God going to deliver? Can we trust God? They would see that altar and say, do you remember when we had nothing and God provided? Yep, I remember. Do you remember when we had enemies attacking us and God protected us? Yep, I remember. Do you remember when we didn't know where we were going, but we could trust God's direction and he led us to a good and plentiful place? Yes, I remember. 
Well, then let's trust right now that in the midst of our confusion and fear that God is at work providing, protecting, leading, even now. This is one of the reasons we get together every Sunday at Renew Church. To help us in the midst of our spiritual amnesia, when we forget that God is good and cares for us and loves us more than we love ourselves, and God's grace moves toward us even when we're moving away from God. And we come back to this community, to the communion table that reminds us of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, how he feeds us and nourishes us and pours himself out on our behalf. And we say, okay, I can trust. Let's go. Another reason you can trust this scary, gracious invitation is because God is realistic about your pathway of growth. It happens as a process. You can't microwave it. Notice at the end it says, And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negev. Journeyed on in stages. This is a process. This is a life of following after and trusting the presence of God. It's not merely saying one prayer and now you're a Christian and it's all done. It's not merely making one decision. It's every day, minute by minute, as Eugene Peterson called it, a long obedience in the same direction. It's a process. You journey on in stages, and Scripture is so devastatingly honest about this. Anybody who tells you that the pathway of a faithful person who trusts God is always upward and to the right on a chart, like a really good stock investment, isn't living in the real world. I'm not calling them a liar, but I'd say they might not be honest about their own journey. And they're certainly not relaying the truth of what Scripture shows us. Because Abram, the father of the faith, the hero, the one who will become Big Daddy, the one who, through whom all nations will be blessed, right here is showing incredible trust as he goes. But later on in this same chapter 12, go read it, it recounts for us Abram and his wife Sarai passed through Egypt. And there, Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the empire, sees Abram's wife and finds her attractive. Abram knows that Pharaoh always gets what Pharaoh wants. And Abram thinks, I need to protect my own life. Pharaoh's going to take her from me one way or the other by violence or anything else. So Abram says, she's not my wife, she's my sister. And if you find her attractive, go ahead and have her. What a fearful, cowardly thing to do. What an unfaithful thing to do. And we look at that and we say, yeah, but when we're honest with ourselves, we do things that are cowardly. We think things that are unfaithful. We're not always moving forward at full speed in the right direction either. And so what does God do with Abram in that moment? He doesn't say that's okay. He doesn't say that doesn't matter. He confronts him. He meets him. And he starts there. He's patient with him. You know what that means? On this calling to go, you can be patient with yourself. It's a process. It also means that you need to be intentional with your own stages of faith, growth, and development. 
What stage of your faith journey are you on right now? What's your next step? Maybe it's simply coming back to Renew Church every Sunday. That's the next step to come back, to bring friends to join in this journey together. I would also commend to you our community group that meets on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. in person and online. So there's no reason that you can't make it. If you want to be a part of that, just go to the church's website and click contact and say, I want to be a part. I want to take this next step of development. Perhaps it's joining in at Know Your Neighbor, the first Saturday of every month at the church, when we bring together neighbors without homes and neighbors with homes and people who walk past each other and talk past each other and miss one another come together around food and music, fellowship and fun, and the fabric of the neighborhoods transformed, but so is our vision of what it means to be a neighbor. What does it look like for you to take that next step? Third, the calling of God is missional. And we've already touched on this, but we need to fill it in because God says, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In you, all the families on earth shall be blessed. Don't miss how revolutionary this is, how unheard of this is in a tribal society where it was understood that within the society, there is our family and we look out for our family. Our family is part of a clan and the clan looks out for itself. The clan is part of a tribe and the tribe looks out for itself. So tribes would operate according to principles of, let's build a nation for ourselves. Let's build a nation like that nation over there. Let's build a nation that can attack other nations and amass all of its resources so that it can grow and be strong. And God says, you will be the chief of a new tribe. And this tribe's mission will be to bless all the other tribes. At Renewed Church, when we follow this calling, churches have questions they need to ask when they say, who do we exist for? That's why we say we exist for the good of those who are not even a part of the church. Do we exist to make ourselves a cocoon where we can simply be safe and insulated from the world? Not a chance. Do we exist to fight a culture war, a us-against-them reality where we scapegoat others and then throw stones at them? No. We're called to be a blessing precisely where God has called us to be, to fulfill the promise of Abram. It's significant that God's calling is for everybody. There are no boundaries. It's for all people. It's for people who don't believe and people who do, people who make you feel uncomfortable because they don't think like you. And God's intention is to bless everybody. Does that surprise you? How do you understand God's work in your life? How do you understand God's work in this church, the purpose of this church, and how are you involved in it? The calling of God is missional. And finally, the calling of God is impossible without the grace of God. If you try to go and do these things, go give yourself, pour yourself out on behalf of others, you will be empty and exhausted by the end of the week unless you don't try this without the gospel. How do you live a big life? 
How do you live this huge calling to go? You can't on your own. God says, get thee out. We say, where? God says, I will show you. Why would you go? God does not give you perfect information. God gives you perfect love. And later, God will come down himself as the perfect person. A greater Abram, who left the throne and authority, who left his father's house in heaven, his father's land, born as a baby in a manger, who left his country and his comfort, everything, so we could have access, so we could have welcome to his father, so we could be brought into his family. And when you see all that Jesus has done for you, answered the original calling away from security so that you could have ultimate security in being found in him that nobody can ever take from you. You're able to move out into this world to grow and thrive and trust by giving your life away. There's another place where God says to go. After Jesus Christ had lived and died and risen from the dead, he meets with his best friends on the mountain, these friends who had been two steps forward, one step backward the entire journey. Sometimes they got it, sometimes they didn't get it. And he meets them and says, All power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. You can trust me as we go together. I'm with you in your difficulties. I'm with you in your marriage. I'm with you in your single life. I'm with you at your work. I'm with you in school. I'm even with you in your addictions. I'm with you in your struggles. I am with you, and you can trust me. Go. Friends, may you have wisdom to discern God's calling, the courage and faith to go, that the world around you may be blessed and you would be transformed. Let's pray. Gracious God, we ask you now to bless us as we journey forward together in stages. Help us to hear that calling to go and see that we can trust you because you went first toward us. Your grace always moves first. Help us to see that long before we were thinking about you, you were already thinking about us. And may that give us courage hope, faith, trust, love, and joy to move forward with you. We pray that you would transform our neighborhoods, our city, and our world, and that you would send us to be a part of that glorious transformation. We ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.